with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, right here on TojiNet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and beyond. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unbelievable, and the unsomething or other. New England's own Van Helsing with me is not the blonde bombshell, but a blonde bombshell in another sense. He is none other than a gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. Uh, am I, is my co-host tonight? What's that? Are you being Stephen Hawking tonight? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It just came out, as usual. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I've heard some intros before, but that one, that's the best yet. Uh, <laughs> good, there you go. good morning, Ron. How are you? Good morning. Fa- and it fancy, is morning me- yeah. fancy meeting you here again. Yeah. Yeah, Anne has actually got tied up in the real world, unlike uh, uh, you and I. Um, you know, she has a real job. Well, she's, <laughs> she's brave beyond belief. That's true. That's true. <laughs> to have a, a real job, you have to be brave beyond belief. <laughs> But anyway, so I, uh, I want to I want to take her out in the ghost hunt because she's not yeah. that brave. Oh uh, yeah, she's brave. Uh, not beyond belief. Well, I don't know. It mm. depends what it depends what you believe, I guess, right? <laughs> so anyway, speaking about what you believe in, how about vampires? Do you believe in vampires? Well, funnily enough, um, the, despite the fact that I'm surrounded by crucifixes here in the office um, because of my religious interests um around my neck as you probably remember is my 17th century uh, crucifix uh, that comes from eastern europe that on the back of it has uh, engraved prayer to protect me from things that stalk the night but really? specifically vampires so uh no i don't believe in well, uh, you're cutting out a little bit on us, just to let you know. But anyways, uh, I know I believe in vampires because we have on this very show, this very night, we have a real vampire. Mm-hmm. And not only is a vampire, but he's a vampire and a gothic musician. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Vlad. Greetings. How is everyone this evening? Uh, let me check. Scared now. <laughs> I'm all alone. <laughs> so, so, all, you feel cornered now, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Hang on a minute. Let me just, let me just get this garlic bread out. <laughs> That's okay. It's it's another one of those myths that we let like sort of go on to make people feel more comfortable. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> no, it's like sort of like crossing running water. All almost all of the popular things people think that they can stand behind. Uh, uh, sort of run back to the Stoker novel. They're not actual traditional vampire cures or 
wars really? against vampires. They're all tied back. In, and if you analyze all of those things that he uses in the book, they're all tied to Christian mythology. Where, you know, where the, the, the water was a sign of purity, so you therefore couldn't cross running water. You can't see a reflection in the mirror because you, you have no soul. Uh, you know, and the whole thing about creatures of the night being evil, therefore wolves and bats and everything else is is bad, and turning into mist, which in, during the Victorian time was sort of like you weren't supposed to have fresh air because there could be diseases born upon, like, you know, bad air. That's where you would get sort of the vapors. So uh. all, all of those things translate back to, no, I mean, it's sort of like they're all they're all back to it. It's sort of, you know... <laughs> <laughs> to make people feel more comfortable that there might so, not be something under their bed. <laughs> so does that mean that does that mean that my crucifix with the vampire prayer that's Eastern Europe? I was just I, you probably heard me talking about it. Is mm -hmm. that just more of the same doesn't work stuff? Well, it's, it's the it's the belief in you know I mean any of the things any kind of a, a, a object or demonic presence. If it was a demonic presence. You know, back in the day, a vampire would be absolutely considered evil. So it's, you know, the presence of evil can't face down the presence of good. Uh, so it would be your belief more in the crucifix than the crucifix itself. I mean, because if we look at the crucifix, it was there before it was a sign of Christ. So, you know, it's the belief in the system and the belief in the entity of good that would permeate, you know, making it, and uh, an object of you know a weapon. So, so the next thing you're going to tell me is the vampires don't sparkle. They don't. They don't. Oh you know, my sort God. of like asking asking real vampires about uh, those uh, sparkly posers that uh, you know sort of like asking magicians about Chris Angel. <laughs> we don't we don't really like to talk about like those sparkly people because it's it's. I mean, once again, we get back into the ties of religion and mythology. Uh, Stephanie Meyer was a Mormon. So she wrote the whole thing to dispel that vampires were these undead creatures, and she wanted to make them almost more angelic. Oh, so therefore, nice. they would sparkle, and they wouldn't bite people, and they never had premarital sex, and they all oh. wandered around, you know, <laughs> My, my daughter, my teenage daughter, is going to be absolutely devastated now. <laughs> they all are. They all, they all love it because you know what? It's it's a. But if we look at it, it's like sort of there's some really things that we really don't want the younger generation emulating from uh, from Twilight. Because I mean, the the character that's the vampire sort of like sneaks into her room and like watches her all evening like a stalker. Mm -hmm. and chases her down and sort of, like, follows her and beats up all the boys that are around her because he doesn't want them. Or, and it's like sort of like, okay, well, do we really want that as a, you know, women women can't defend themselves. They need to be protected by someone watching them constantly. And it's okay to let a guy stand in the corner of your room for 12 hours and watch you sleep. She <laughs> <laughs> sounds more like an episode of Ghost Hunters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Vlad, I mean, you you consider yourself a vampire, correct? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. Yep. So, on, on what grounds do you consider yourself a vampire? Uh, if we go back to what, what actually, I mean, we have metaphysical vampires, we have mythological vampires, we have people that are that are blood 
fetishists, uh, people that use blood for magic and ceremonies. So those are all levels of vampiric. Myself, I consider myself vampiric on a level of being able to manipulate energy. And if we look back at that, I mean, you know, people may disagree with me, but I think almost all good entertainers are able to manipulate energy. Because, you know, most of them will tell you during a great performance, there's no and higher... And some politicians high. as well, right? Hmm? And some politicians as well. well. I don't know. These days, I haven't really found a, a, a like politician that inspires people too much. Those are, those are long gone, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, isn't that the same thing? Is they, they, they work the energy to make people do what they want. I mean, Hitler, in a way, was a vampire, if you, if you use that, that um, definition. We could, but it's like sort of like, I don't know, that we start to get into like the sort of fine nuances between what's the difference between a, a charismatic and someone that like can manipulate energy. Mm-hmm. You know, one people, one just people follow them, but it's like, I think if you're manipulating energy, there's an energy exchange. You know, if you're doing okay. a performance and you, you draw from the audience, you should be giving something back to them. It should be a, a sort of a fair trade. You know, you should sort of give them something and receive something. Oh, you know, okay. they it's an exchange, but I think that charismatics sort of like just want all of the accolades for themselves, you know, so. Well, okay, so, I mean, so they're the bad vampire and you're the, the good vampire. Oh, it's always, it's always all about me being good, so. <laughs> <laughs> A term I often hear is, uh, particularly in, in relation to my chosen activity dealing with the dead, um, mm-hmm. is psychic vampire. Mm-hmm. Or, or within the vampire community, they use the word pranic. It would be a pranic vampire, which is is someone that can psychically, and it's there's within the vampire community, it's heavily frowned against to uh, psychically attack someone without without a, a confirm like a permission. That, you know, yeah. you could you could do it without within a relationship. You know, sort of an exchange mm-hmm. of energy and psychically bond and give and take from each other. But to do it without someone's permission is sort of really close in the vampire community to committing a rape, you know, because you're attacking someone and you're drawing from them without their permission. Right. So. Can, can that be prevented? I mean, it, you know, because I, I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of the, of the expression and its usage, uh, people say that, uh, that they have been attacked by a psychic vampire and often the, the services of a medium um, in in order to to break the attack or or to offer some form of healing uh, and, and protection, is that I think anybody, possible? I think anybody that sort of um, can do a good, uh, for lack of a better explanation, a, a good grounding on themselves. You know, much the same as if you were going to go into preparing for an exorcism or something. You know, make sure that you sort of create a ball of energy around yourself and ground yourself and shield yourself, it'll defend against it. But if you're not aware of it, there's there's definitely a danger there where, you know, a lot of people are like, I don't like being around this person, you know, and they can't clarify why, but they just know that they feel drained around them. It's so you just sort of need to ground yourself and make sure that you, uh, you know, whatever higher power you believe in, you know, ground yourself within that and, uh, just clear your thoughts and just make sure you, you become aware of it and that, that will help you. 
Right. Now, in the, in the community itself, there is, you mentioned earlier, there are different types of vampires. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, another vampire I know, of course, is Michelle Belanger. And mm-hmm. I think you know her, too, right? Sure, now, I do. I do from, from the New York scene, yeah, when she was uh, down there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so she is more of the energy vampire, right? Am I correct mm-hmm. with that? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. Sorry to use bad grammar there and go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No. No. Yeah. Yeah is good. I mean, that's that's good. You know, we expect that from vampires. You know. Yeah. <laughs> we should be using the Queen's English to its fullest extent, vampires. <laughs> Particularly tonight with uh, one of the Queen's finest citizens on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking about me? Talking about me? Because I am no, a lord, no. you know. I am a lord, you know. I, I, you I might, you might be, lord, you, know? you might be. But since you threw the tea bags into Boston Harbor, we've gotten rid of you. Uh, that's what you think. <laughs> and never, and never even shipped over a shipload of gin to replace them, right? Well, you know what the big problem always was. It, it had nothing to do with the uh, throwing of the tea into the harbor. It was the fact that they forgot the milk and sugar. Or, or they didn't even have any crumpets at that point in time. To, well, exactly. <laughs> heathens, heathens. <laughs> so what made you embrace the vampire lifestyle? And I assume you do embrace the vampire lifestyle. I, I sort of became aware from, you know, I watched, I mean, I was drawn to horror from an early age. Um, I, the first horror film I saw was was Frankenstein at five years old. My grandmother let me watch it on television. Um, and then later on, I sort of got involved in doing haunted attractions mm-hmm. and uh, manipulating crowds and things by, you know, doing haunted attractions where you were creating an atmosphere and things. And then I was brought into the vampire community, and it all sort of made sense. And then, like I mentioned before, though, but when even when you read Uta Hagen, when she talks about respect for acting, she mentions this whole thing about drawing of energy and, you know, there is no greater high in, in, that can be found than to, you know, the accolades of the crowd. And I'm, I said, you're sort of, you're sort of drawing from, um, you know, a, a Wiccan sort of uh, building a cone of power or any other metaphor that you're, you're drawing energy from them. And if you're, if you're taking something from them, then you should be giving something back. It should be a, an exchange. And that's what I've always tried to do in my shows is, is leave people with, you know, instead of, Oh, here's a card, put the card back in. Oh, now here's your card again. I wanted to leave them with the memory that this time may never happen again. And that it was special spending the time together. And, uh, you know, there may still be monsters underneath their bed, you know, that they should be very aware that odd things lurk within the fog. So all of it just sort of clicked together and made sense that, you know, that there was the manipulation of energy. And uh, I never really got into too much the, uh, you know, just for me myself, it didn't, Mm -hmm. I, I never found a need for or an interest really in the sanguine vampire right you know thing it just to me it was almost more base it was sort of like a lower level you you need a you need an object or you need something that's tangible versus being able to sort of manipulate the ether mm-hmm. it was a little more base and it's to me it's the same way i don't really i'm not really drawn to the whole werewolf mythology because it's too it's too, I don't know, uncouth. 
for me. <laughs> <laughs> they're primitive. Yeah. They're down to the baser instincts. They run naked yeah, through the forest and sort of. You don't have to shave. That's the cool thing about it. I I, I love the, you know. I'm sorry. I I'm sort of one of those people that believe you should dress for dinner and things like that. <laughs> I think we should go back to using calling cards when we show up to people's houses and introduce ourselves. But that's just me. <laughs> Yeah, you know what's interesting too is that um, even in your Facebook account, I mean, you don't accept friends unless they're really friends, unless you know them. And I, I find that it's part of who you are. You, you do have that proper side of you, believe it. Uh, believe it. I was a lot say of people sort of don't. They, they think that for some reason that you know you should be the vampire should be this like, uh, you know sexually unbridled, you know, uh, everybody runs around and, you know, it's this big, giant, kinky thing. And I'm like, no, it's, you know, for me, it's, I'm very formal. You know, if I'm dating somebody at the time, I don't dance with anybody else. If I'm out with that, that evening with my, my girl, I don't dance with anybody else because to me, it's an affrontery to the person you're with to like, give attention to somebody else. I don't, I'm very formal. And people are like, how can you be so, that's very rigid. And I'm like, well, it's, it's an earlier time. It's just, that's the way things should be done. There should be an etiquette in a class and a genteelness that, you know, we, we bring back to things. And that's why I've now, always looked at things. Now, even in the vampire community, there is a, a hierarchy. Is there not? There is. I mean, there, there, there is and there isn't. There, the old school. There was there was a there was a regent that would be the one in each area. Uh, you would you would call it like a, a haven or a you know it, say say New England, Massachusetts would be considered a haven. So there's there's would be in Massachusetts. There isn't because nobody's really doing anything that much, except for the group that I was with when I was in Massachusetts. But. Let's say New York, or well, use New. I'm more familiar with New York, so let's use New York. In okay. New York City, they would call it like a halo or a haven. Now, within there, there's only supposed to be one court. The court would be governed by a regent who's voted in by the elders of the community. And when you come into the community, you have to be formally spoken for in the community. Someone would bring you to a court and introduce you, and as a citizen, or a, uh, you know, a possible citizen, you would not be able to, like, make any voting decisions or anything else for a year. You have to show up for a year so people can get to know you, and then you can become what's considered a citizen, and then you would, the next step, you would be sort of a, what's called a calme, which means you've been in the community for a year, we recognize that, you have an understanding of the way things work. And then after that, you can be considered, you know, when you've made some sort of, you've given to the community a little more and you've dedicated yourself, then you can be considered an elder after many years of serving the community and doing things to uphold the laws, like making sure people don't run around the streets and wear fangs and try and bite people that don't belong knowing about (laughs) those things. You know, it's, a lot of the things that are written down are common sense things, but they needed to be written down because some people didn't have any common sense. Hmm. So when it was formalized, then people could go, hmm, it says right here. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I don't know, that's was, probably a, that's 
I like a very quick overview of like the the structure, but you know. Yeah. Was is was there actually enforcement in in the community itself? If you committed something that was sort of considered heinous, which meant you were endangering, uh, you know, like if you tried to sneak someone into a bar that was, because when we used to have functions, we would basically close the bar down for that night, and it would be a private function. So we would have our guards or sergeants at arms at the door. So if you weren't known and you didn't have a sigil, you'd not, you wouldn't be allowed into that venue. Now, if you tried to sneak someone into that venue or you got in and someone found out about it, you brought someone in that was underage or was doing something that they shouldn't be doing, you could be brought up on charges and excommunicated, which meant you would not be allowed at any further function ever again until they seemed fit. Or you could be lesser times, you know, if they felt like just sort of teaching you a lesson, they could throw you out for a year and a day. And then they would, I don't know where the year and the day came from, but that was, that was the, that was the verdict was a year and a day that you would be Pro- sort of. Probably from back. UK, you know. It, it probably us. has some kind of a meaning somewhere, but it was, it was, it was the 366 days versus 365. It was a year and a day. And I don't know why, but. There's, was, there's actually, uh, talk about the UK, there's, there's several, you know, we have a, a history of gentlemen's clubs and private clubs and, uh, particularly, you know, in the UK, these mm-hmm. sort of uh, not not secret but semi-secret organizations and you would be, you could be uh, banned and it usually was, oddly enough, for a year and a day. So okay. maybe it does Maybe it does come from that, as you suggest. Yeah, it's, it's, and it was just, you know, you'd, you'd sort of have these different things and it was to safeguard people's things. There was actually a, an etiquette thing that if you... Um, if you decided to teach someone new to the community that, like, the rules of your house, because each each elder in the community usually has their own household, which meant that they were teaching a form of knowledge that was familiar to them, and they were all based on different... There was one that was based on the martial arts, there was Hidden Shadows, there was up towards Harlem was where they, they were based. Um, my household was built on mystic knowledge and, um, you know, it was like, and I had the thing, you know, people were like, well, I'm, I'm a Wiccan. And I'm like, and what else have you studied? Exactly. And they would look at me sort of quizzically. And I say, if you were going to consider yourself a magician or a mystic, you have to have been accomplished and, and, or familiar with more than one path. I don't want you to walk into Barnes and Noble and pick a book up on Wicca and decide that you're a Wiccan. <laughs> I, I want you to, I want you to explain to me the 21st how, century. Yeah, and I wanted to. I said I want you to explain to me the difference, like the the commality between like the tree of life from Ain Soft and the Druidic tree, and you know where do these forms of magic have common ties, and be familiar with them so you can see how the dis- different forms of magic have used the colors of the elements and all of these things have common ties. And I'm like, tell me how you've walked this path and, and what do you know of it? And they would go, okay. No, okay, well, if you don't understand what I'm saying then, then you definitely don't belong in this house. You know. <laughs> so. 
Is is uh, the vampire community worldwide, for instance, in the UK, is, are there vampire communities? There's vampire communities in England. There's a, there's a big vampire community in Paris. There's one in Germany. There's They're all over the world. Um, I, I haven't really heard too much about Russia, but there might be a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because actually, um, I, I don't know specifically Russia, is um, still, and of course, coming back to this crucifix, the prayer on mm-hmm. the back of it is is in Cyrillic. Um, okay. So, I mean, that's one of the the Eastern European languages, and yeah, I, I Ron, to a sort of kind of answer Ron's question, I would say um, vampirism is is uh, certainly as popular over here in the UK as it is in the States. That well, sort of provokes I mean, a question. For, yeah, it provokes a question. Have, you what? guys actually have you guys actually have Whitby and everything over there. <laughs> we do, we do, and of course, you know, there are there are many celebrations. Uh, we have Gothic weeks, and mm-hmm. um, you know, where all the the punk goths go, um, you know, to to celebrate Stoker and the and the Dracula story. But uh, you know, in the last sort of ten years, um, more so than I can remember uh, in the past. Uh, vampires have become incredibly popular within the sort of mass teen culture. Is, is what's your you know? Is there a reason for this upsurge in vampires? I mean, you know, everybody has their own take on it. My own personal take on it is when you look at any of the mythological creatures that that are around, you know, de- demonic forces, werewolves. Uh, you know, zombies and all these other creatures that have been created and that, you know, we've had these long literary ties to and things. The vampire is the only one that sort of guarantees immortality. And not only will your body be the same as it was before, it will be improved and you have a small price to pay. It's like you sort of have to acquire blood. I mean, all the rest of them, zombies, okay, you have to eat people. Werewolves, mm-hmm. you know, you will kill those loved ones that are closest to you and completely turn into a feral beast, you know, and run <laughs> naked through the forest. You know, But vampires are like, so you have to bite someone on the neck, but you'll live forever, and you'll look even better than you do now forever. <laughs> you know? And people are like, sign me up. You know, it's, it's like the Hollywood like diet plan. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you never, you never see uh, yeah, an ugly vampire on TV. That's true. They're always... Well, uh, well, you, well you, in the originals, you did the... Nos- in the originals, yeah, but I'm yeah, talking sure. you know, the modern ones. If you look at the Twilight um, oh, and, God, and no. Buffy, you know, they're all... You know, you get the Hollywood looks if you're a vampire. So, well, you know, there is an obvious I mean, attraction. And the early ones, too. I mean, you sort of had, like, you went from Lugosi, who was sort of the, you know, almost like a tuxedo-clad gigolo during that time period <laughs> for his look. You know, and you jumped into Christopher Lee, who was, you oh, know, well. a pretty suave aristocrat. You know, you're you're going to have like, to hold on Christopher Lee because we have to take a break right now. So yeah. uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles, the – well, i got to remember which show I'm on now because I'm confused because Steve's here. But uh, it is Next Generation with uh, Ron Kolick and Steve Postonance right here on Tojanet, Parex, Ghost Channel Beyond. We'll be right back after the following message with Vlad. Hello, hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. 
Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, ParaX Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Well, normally at this point, I'd be bringing you back into part two, but uh, as as I'm only the standing co-host, I don't know if I'm supposed to. Oh, You're still I think a co-host. I might just... I think I might just inadvertently have done it. And that's the first time I've ever heard that appalling ghost box. <laughs> really? Are we yeah, playing well, every week? Yeah, I'm glad I don't do this show every week. <laughs> <laughs> that was only ever supposed to be a test. Oh, it was a good test. Oh, uh... <laughs> he tested every week, I think. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Nobody knows what the hell it is, so it works all fine. <laughs> well, they do now, because obviously I sound remarkably like that man, Harry Price. Evidently, anyway. So join us, <laughs> is, uh, uh, Vlad, and uh, Vlad the Magician, actually. And I want to talk a little bit about that end of it as well. But I want to talk uh, about the gothic music, actually, because being a, well, an old goth punk, you know, it's... Well, it's, before we go that, I have to make an announcement. I mean, yesterday is... You always have to make an announcement. I know, I do. That's my show. That's what I do. Well, uh, why don't you make the announcements before the break, and then that uh, way you won't keep interrupting us when we come back from the break to make I know, the announcement. I'm, I'm bad. I've always been bad. <laughs> But uh, anyways, I was a Flat, bite him, bite him. Circles. <laughs> circles. He probably has. He's probably wearing the high leather collar that he likes. <laughs> <laughs> he does like dressing up, does Ron? Uh, he does. <laughs> so, anyways, speaking about that, as circles of wisdom, I actually met D. Wallace. Do you know who D. Wallace is? She was in uh, the Hunger in not the Hunger, the Howling, um, and a couple other films. Like, yeah, uh, E.T. She was the mother yeah. in E.T. She was also in uh, what was that other one by the Stephen Kill? She's in tons of movies. She still Cat is. Eye, she's 
she, she's on TV now, in fact, in one series that's out there, one of those cool ones. But a uh, lovely woman. I met her yesterday, so I was – I didn't even know who she was. So that, right. I, I insulted her, so that was not good. Anyway. You probably haven't seen quite enough horror films. You need to go back and, like, retrace some of these things. <laughs> <laughs> go back to my life. So yeah. go ahead. Uh, Steve, you had a question before I so rudely interrupted you. It wasn't well, a question. mentioned about music. I think I think because yeah. you, you misspoke before that I'm a magician, not a musician. So ah, you see, he said gothic musician. Now, yeah. of course, being being an old being an old goth punk, I was I was quite sort of taken by that line, and, and well, I mean, going to follow it up. Originally, yeah, there was there in the in the beginning back in the day. Uh, that's that's where the whole goth scene came from. Was the darker, you know? And originally, there were no goths; they were dark punks. And you sort of branched off, and then they sort of became, you know, goths for a long period of time. And I know I was you know, there. And then, and then all of a sudden, now now they're they're you know they want to hide in the shadows and write poetry and they're considering themselves emo. So, but you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen a cheerful emo? Uh, there's, there are, there are like cheerful goths and they call them like gravers I... and things like that. Or perky Sparkly goths. goths? They're no. perky, perky goths, perky goths or Sparkly raver goths. goths. The raver <laughs> goths do actually have glitter on because they run around with those like ha! glow sticks and things. Yeah. It's kind of really strange. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Vlad, I mean, the original, if you, you said about the, how the uh, Brown Stroker and, and it changed nope. the way, well, I don't know, that the, guy. It changed the show off the sexual, every, if you look at it, every, every period, every, I don't want to say every period, because we're not really in different periods, we're still in the modern age, I would suppose we could call it, um, but each generation takes their own sexuality and, and, and attaches it to the vampire myth. Like we said, we had Lugosi and then Christopher Lee and then and then we jump into Frank Langella that came out during, you know, wearing his finest close to disco vampire attire. Um, you know, you know, and then we've had Dark Shadows and we had, you know, oh. the re reemergence of Dark Shadows with Ben Cross oh. and, you know, all these other things. So it's like each generation twists it and tweaks it slightly. I, I mean, in the 80s, when we had Cindy Lauper, we had the Lost Boys. That's true. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like every generation makes the vampires, and I don't know what that says about this generation, that the thing they'll look back on and think of Twilight, but I don't <laughs> You're screwed. Do you have a series over the... Oh, we had a brilliant series over here called Being Human, which was... Um, yeah, still yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the ghost, the vampire, and the werewolf all living yeah, together whatever. in. Well, they what they they had the original series, and then which was done by the BBC, which that's right does, yeah. does far superior entertainment than most of the stuff we get over here. Uh, and they remade it for Science Fiction Channel with like American versions of the British ones. So yeah, it was just yeah. there. I mean, the, the first series was. I mean, it had some pure comedy moments in it, and then it mm-hmm. became very heavy and very dark as as. Uh, the different factions started to fall out with each other, uh, and you know the series did change quite dramatically. But I, re- I remember the first series hugely entertaining and hugely comedic yeah, because it went into the whole thing about what what it, what does it actually entail mm. to be human? You know, it was the same thing like um, what is it? It's called uh, In the Flesh that they did for I think BBC is the the thing about uh, zombies. 
mm-hmm. and it's this whole you know zombies trying to reacquire their humanity and it's you know, oh that's so nice yeah well <laughs> maybe all they need is a warm it. dish of brains and some love I know <laughs> <laughs> brains in the cans and here have your brains in the can you don't have to kill anybody yeah, yeah. We're, we're, in, we're into Sean of the dead territory now aren't we yeah we are <laughs> anyway sort of like you you guys get all the uh the, the finer entertainment, you know, I mean, that started back from the days of having Doctor Who and all the other good things like that. We didn't, we had to wait years and years and years later. <laughs> I agree. But I, I want to go back to the, the vampire thing. I mean, how did we get into all of this? I mean, if you, in in New England, we have a very deep history of vampirism. Uh, With the whole you know, Percy Brown thing and yeah, the whole like yeah, yeah where you're digging up bodies and you're you're burning their heart and feeding it to other people, and that's entirely different than what the, the versions that are coming around. And so, I mean, where where's where does the vampire come from? And that was one of actually one of the questions in the chat room way back when the show started. Is well, where, any, where does the vampire come from? Any any culture, it's 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 much like dragons. Any civilization that we've come across has had some version of the vampire all the way back to Roman days. You know, even really? before all this literature and things, they've had references to vampires. And, uh, I mean, they're, they've found vampire graves recently that were, I think, was Poland was the most recent. Where, oh, yeah, you know, I saw that. Yep. They, with, the, with the stones in the mouth. And, you know, yep. it's... So each of these cultures has had this thing, and I think it ties back to the whole premature burial uh porphyria type things with, you know, like illnesses that make you allergic to the sun, not understanding how bodies are affected by being buried in different climates where, you know, your body could still possibly be preserved for longer times than if you were in, you know, an area that the body would rot. And it's it's sort of all of this is tied together with our, you know, our, our curiosity of the unknown. So... And and the hope for, you know, that that this isn't it. I think that's the deeper question. You know, it's like we're always looking for the signal or the high sign from somewhere that that this is not the the final end. That you know that there will be something promised to us. And you know, you know, many people believe in the in in the Bible. It speaks about it, but it's sort of like some of the people are like, well, you know, I don't want to wait that long. I want something. I want to. I want a message now. So they're looking for some sort of a signal, you know, and they're hoping that, you know, they don't have to die to find out. So they're, they're throwing into the vampire thing where I can stay here and I can be eternal. Okay. So, now, when just we, my philosophy, but... <laughs> when, when we hear, you know, when we, we hear about vampires, we, we always hear, of course, the, the negative things. You get some sure. wacko that goes out and kills somebody and, you know, drains the blood or whatever. It's, it's, that is not really the vampire community. That's just someone that's who's psycho- freaking sick. Yeah, it's, it's a psychopath or a sociopath that like has a a blood fetish. I mean, there are plenty of people that you know that cross into the BDSM community. That you know, it's a sexual turn on for them to to have what's called blood play, where you know they they do heavy duty sort of kinks that draw blood, and that to them that's a that's a turn on. And unfortunately that's the ones that get the most press or like the ones that are the most sensational. You know, it's, uh, you don't, you don't get the, you don't come across things like back when I was in New York where the vampire community went 
and did a blood a blood drive, like and donated blood, or oh, wow, or went cool. around, or went Nobody around. Nobody would take to, it though, right? Excuse me. Nobody would take it though, right? No, no, they had enough of their own. They did. You know? <laughs> 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 um, and we also we also did a, a toys for tots thing, which where we gave like toys to the Marines for. To- so you never hear any of these positive things. It's always the like you know. Bodies found in the basement of a local vampire, you know, and it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, anyways, Vlad, the other thing you are also a magician, and mm-hmm. and what and and it's you're not you're like you know cod toting magician. You, it it's different, and I, I've actually had the opportunity to work with you, and and, and you're simply amazing a magician Thank as you. well. And so, you want to explain to us a little bit about. Vlad, the, the magician? Well, I created the term gothic magic because I, I have always been drawn into the, the horror literature and gothic literature and gothic architecture. Um, and a lot of the basis of my storylines go back to the whole Victorian period, you know, the Jack the Ripper, Lizzie Borden, things like that. Uh, so what I did was I, I took the foundations of Gothic where the, you know, the eerie melancholy, you know, fog shrouded ghost infested mansions and things and created uh, a shows around them where, you know, we, we would explore haunted artifacts rather than pick a card, put it back in here. And, Oh, look, your four of clubs is now on the top of the deck. And if people go, okay. But if I start to talk about a key that was found from Danvers Mental Institution and something odd and unusual happens with that key, it becomes theater now. And it's like I've, I've helped you escape for the moment, and I've also opened the door of possibility that there may be something else in the universe unexplained. Mm-hmm. So to me, I was, you know, I, I didn't want people... I always felt that, you know, it's like we, if you do a bad show... You could refund the person's money, but you you can't give back that time that they spent with you. You if you waste their time, that's the biggest sin of all because you took something away from them that's irreplaceable. So, if we were going to do something, it had to be special. It had to be unique. It had to be something that they couldn't see anywhere else. And I wanted it to be an experience that they could talk about. I didn't want them to go. Well, he took these cards and put four of them down and moved three to the left, and then all of a sudden the four aces showed up on top. I wanted them to go, I don't even know how to explain it, but he took this object out, and all of a sudden uh, the lights turned off and on, and and the table vibrated, and you have to see it for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted them to relay the experience rather than the mechanics of it. And there's a, a term for this type of magic, isn't it correct? Um, I, I took it as a branch off of it. It used to be called Bizarre Magic. And, bizarre uh, Magic, right. And I didn't like the term bizarre because everyone you talk to to try and book yourself, they went, so you're going to bite the heads off chickens? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, it's not geek magic. It's, it's bizarre magic. And they're like, well, what is bizarre? And then the problem was the people that created Bizarre, most of them sort of were these people that were heavily into the Necronomicon and, and the writings of Lovecraft. So they would dress up in dark robes and like sort of do this like ancient sorcerer. And I never saw myself that way. I wanted to be an Edwardian vampire and, you know, go out there and, and explain to people about, you know, things that I had seen in my lifetime and tell them stories about haunted places and, you know, like Elizabeth Bathory and things. I didn't want to talk about, you know, the elements or summoning Cthulhu. 
you know, I wanted to. <laughs> so. Yeah. Cthulhu well, can do his own publicity. He has better yeah. marketing people than I do. So, <laughs> actually, Steve does a lot of work with Cthulhu. Does he? <laughs> yeah, on uh, usually on a Tuesday night around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my new, my newest thing. thing that I'm writing. I just did. I just did uh, four four nights down here in Wilmington. It was we were we were booked to do three nights, mm. and uh, they all sold out. They were like, "Do you mind adding an extra night?" And I'm like. Of course, we always hate doing extra work. No, <laughs> like book book it at the entire week. But it was like that went over. So now I'm working on a different show, and I'm uh, creating a thing based on a witch hunter character. Oh, cool! Yeah, I mean, I, I can see it in New England because you know New England's New England. But when you ever moved down south, and you said you were doing gothic shows down south, I was like scratching my head and saying, "There's a demand for that." Well, there is, but I had to change it. They didn't understand what the word gothic was because they all sort of went Marilyn Manson, and I went, no, no, gothic. <laughs> so I, I changed on, on my business cards now. It says haunted shows uh-huh. because if you, you know, down here, there's a big, huge, you know, through here, through Savannah, Georgia, the haunting things are hugely popular. And my little byline, on, byline underneath the haunted shows, it says theatrical magic with an Adams Family flair. And I'm like, if that doesn't explain it to you, then I can't help you anymore. Do you find that when you go to different parts of, of the uh, U.S., because I, I know from having been down south, they are, they are deeply Christian. Um, Wilmington is weird f- because it's sort of like, I, I know what you're talking about, because it's sort of like some of the places when I, my first thing when I move into or visit a new area, you, you guys might do the same thing. Um, I hit a, I hit a local bookstore and I look for geographically like significant books that are talk about hauntings from that area. Right. Because if I'm never in that area again, I want to know like what are the legends of this area? What are the what do people you know years ago sit around a porch or a campfire and talk about in this area? So I want like local things that I can't find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and some of the places looked at me when I said, where are your local ghost story books? And they went, we don't talk about those things. You know, like, this is a Christian store, and we don't talk about ghosts. Oops. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, so if you don't talk about them, where are they? Because they're still here, whether you talk about them or not. So right. where, where are they? <laughs> Just because you don't acknowledge them doesn't mean they go away, but, you know. Well, I mean, it's it's what you believe in, right? I mean, it, it, there are paranormal groups that don't believe in ghosts, and sure. they they and believe everything in demons because that's their religious beliefs. Yeah, and you when you got down here, though, the weird thing was Wilmington was was entirely different because they were. I mean, there was this whole, you know, they would tell people I would mention ghosts, and they would go, "Oh, well, let me show you this house," and they'd walk me over and. The top part of the porch, when you walked onto the porch, when you looked up, the inside of the ceiling would be painted blue. Because years really? ago, like during during the Civil War, that supposedly kept away the boo hags and the haints. They called them haints. They're like sort of like these like evil spirits. But by painting it blue, there was some kind of something that was in the old school blue paint that supposedly repelled evil spirits. 
Huh. Well, that, I mean, that's that's common in 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 a lot of uh, cultures and religions. This idea mm-hmm. of a protective force. I mean, here in Wales, uh, and in, indeed in other parts of the United Kingdom, um, we have these things called witch bottles, um, which were full of urine, uh, nail, iron nails, I have one, clippings. Okay. You thought you might do. Um, Almost like the little balls they used to sell, like in Salem, the little glass spheres. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly, okay. exactly well, that sort of uh, idea. Well, no, well, more they're they're more powerful. I mean, they're, they're actually based on magic. Mm-hmm. But they're yeah, all yeah. the same concept, like same, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, the horseshoe over the door. I think in New mm-hmm. England, I thought I saw stars over over porches and doors. Uh, I think does a lot of that go right the way back to the the idea of uh, the Passover and and, and uh, religious. I Ooh, concepts of protection. Yeah, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense actually. Um, and, and that's and that was like, well, if you're if you're willing to speak about these things to protect a house, then obviously you're not you're not giving me the like we don't speak about this. And I think part of that recently is the last. Um, I think we can track it back to about twenty years ago. This area was heavily influenced by. A resurgence of the film industry. Wilmington was brought back a lot of like the downtown area was brought back by the uh, Dino De Laurentiis when he started doing a lot of stuff down here, and I think he actually shot Cat's Eye down here. Um, so, so they were like influenced by the film industry. So they're like, we're okay talking about most topics because film people come through here all the time, you know. And they're doing they're doing Sleepy Hollow down here now. They're doing Under the Dome. They did Revolution. So a lot of these like supernatural type things are here all the time, and there's there's five or six ghost tours. So they were like, I mean, there's like all these theatrical places, there's film places, there's arts councils, there's so I think it's more they understand the paranormal and things like that because they're a little more I don't know I don't want to say worldly, but that might be a way to explain it than than years ago. So. There is there is also a backlash against this um, resurgence of interest within the supernatural. I mean, for example, recently the Catholic Church has, has said that they they need to recruit more exorcists to combat this this evil. Well, that went on. They, that went they, on like, they were trying. They've been trying to drag more exorcists into the fold since since the movie came out. That was you know what the. Um, like what is his like father? Was it Father Forte? Like was mm-hmm. one of the ones that um, I think was there's like yeah Fortea, F O R T E A. You're asking me. I would never know. I can't. Well, you're, you're, right. you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, uh, we're not short of exorcists. I mean, every almost every damn medium here in the UK now considers themselves to be an exorcist. It's just well, that the, we are an official exorcist of the Catholic Church, though. There's, there's a difference. And they also have like that. Anybody can call themselves an exorcist. But sure, I mean they have that thing you can join. Like it's like sort of like the United Life Church. They have the thing on there. What is it? The International Association. Yeah, I'm a of member exorcists. of that. I, I, I'm an ordained minister of that church. Are you? <laughs> Which the Universal Life Church? Actually, no. I'm a bishop now. Uh, I paid the extra twenty-five dollars and upgraded. For the Universal Life Church. Um, Universal Life Church in Modesto, yeah, California. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a reverend in it too, just because I wanted to be able to do weddings. <laughs> exactly. Um, Seriously? I, I, yes. I've offered. 
Hey, it gives you the rights. Um, I, I haven't got the card with me. I've, I've done. I've done four weddings so far. More, but it does births, <laughs> marriages, yeah, uh, to perform exorcisms and mm-hmm. also to ordain other ministers. So either of us could ordain Ron. I'll, I'll be done. I'm, I'm going to. Yeah, I've got to become a minister now. I just can't. I can't let you guys up up me. You know, that's I got to go out and become a freaking uh, pope of this church. People, people were confused. People were confused when they saw, like, during the last show, the ring that I was wearing. They're like, "What is that ring?" And I'm like, "It's a Saint Benedict's exorcist ring." And they're like, "Why is a vampire wearing an exorcism <laughs> ring?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, well, if, you know, who else better to know what's evil than not?" <laughs> Well, I, I know we're getting towards the end well, of the town. Subject, well, we just talked about collecting stuff, and uh, Ron knows that I have a, a sort of large collection of religious ephemera, including from North America, uh, which my wife got me many years ago, um, a Catholic exorcism uh, set inside its huh. own portable altar, um, <laughs> which was used in the 1870s. Um, yeah. 29.95. On eBay. No, no this, is, this, is this is the genuine article. Um, uh-huh. But it comes in its own little uh, fold-out altar, and you've got your crucifix, and you've got all your unguents and oils, and all the other accessories for removing pesky vampires. So it's probably uh, along the lines of like a last rites kit, like along. It's very fight. similar to a last rites or a sick call set. Um, okay. It, it's it is specifically for exorcisms, and there's there's even uh, a set of instructions. I think I think okay. Ron's nervous because I actually know what a last rites kit is. <laughs> no, no I, I know very well, but I, I just had to go and I, I had to reach up because I have in my hand here in a red velvet uh, case, I have a uh, vampire hunter's kit, which includes uh, nice wooden stakes uh, from, I, I think it's a special tree, this lovely little hammer that with that's dried with rope, this beautiful cross. I've seen, I've course, seen a bottle of holy yeah. water. Yes, and uh, this one, this one here was originally eighteen ninety nine. It was marked down to nine ninety nine. So I, I had a really good bargain on this uh, vampire hunter. Uh, when kit. I said eighteen seventy nine, I was referring to the date. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. I, th- I think you do. I think you would do better chasing the vampires away if you had a handful of glitter that you were like trying to throw on them. <laughs> <laughs> I still throw garlic bread at them. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I, I do want to mention, uh, I am going to go see, the, this is how I, I uh, met these guys. In fact, it was through Vlad, is, is I'm going to this magician's circle there with uh, Rich and Steve and, and the rest of the boys. I'm going to see them on Saturday. Okay, and, cool. And I, uh, you know, we wish you were there. Yeah, it was always good, you know, being able to, like, brainstorm and talk about, you know, creating the whole theatrical seances and, and things like that, because... It, it sort of, you know, brings back a moment that people don't always get to do. Okay, so that was actually the doorbell, which means the pizza from the dead is here. So uh, we've got to be saying goodbye to you. But before we do, we can you have uh, – uh, do you want to give out your website and how people can get a hold of you? People can find me on gothicmagic.com like, or, or look for on Facebook the Gothic Magic of Vlad. Ooh. So, and it is a good easy. show. Uh, he, he is an excellent magician, and I, I wanted already, to get I'm into. I'm already typing it in as we speak. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I've had the opportunity to work with him s- several times, and uh, well, well, a couple of times, anyways. And uh, he was—he's pretty amazing. So uh, yeah, we had tried but, to do some more before I was called off to the deep south. There, we were going to do yeah. some more, but now we're waiting for you to get next, down here. Next time, 
Next mm-hmm. time you work with him, uh, Vlad, bite him. Bite him. Okay, good. <laughs> bite him. Like that's never been done before. I think I think the witches have a claim on him right now, though. The witches are watching over him more than the vampires. <laughs> Anyways, Vlad, we want to thank you so much for coming with us uh, tonight on this journey. And thank uh, you. Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I wanted to get into how you got into the magic thing, though. That was the cool thing. Well, but, you know, next time, let me know when you want to do this again, and uh, we'll make time in my. I will. I will always try and make time in my schedule for you. Ah, oh, that's the best. And uh, if you ever get up here, let me know. We can do some. Yeah, stuff. somebody else was already talking about when I mentioned I was going to do this witch hunting thing. They're like, "So are we going to do it in Salem?" I'm like, uh, "If I can figure out a way to make it so it's not financially like draining on that is uh, more positive than negative, then we can talk." But that's that's the Salem vampire. <laughs> the yeah. Drain, yeah, dr- financially draining you. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we actually got to go now, Vlad. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really do appreciate it. It's it's good well, speaking with you again. It's good speaking with you, and it's a pleasure to to meet all of you in this small arena. And I look forward to it again sometime soon. Once again, the Likewise. Gothic Badge of Vlad. Celia. What the hell was that? What? Did you hear that music? No. Wow, that was weird. Okay, so anyway, yeah, which means we got to go. So, Steve, I want to thank you so much for for uh, filling in for the lovely blonde bombshell, and uh, I, I I got invited back to that magician thing, and guess what they said to me? Are you bringing the blonde de jour? And so I said, <laughs> so from all of us here at Ghost Chronicles, good night, God bless. Good night, God bless. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good lord.